0: Locked on Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello and welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Tuesday, February 22nd. It's your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis and high quality content that is hoping you all had a good holiday weekend and enjoyed Flyers pride. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at flyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at our Miriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about yesterday's game versus the Carolina Hurricanes. And then we are going to preview tonight's matchup against the St. Louis Blues with special guest Laura Astorian from St. Louis Game Time. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ, so you were there in person. How was the Pride Day stuff?
0: You know, I thought they did a good job. I, I don't think it was super outstanding. Uh, they certainly were uh, putting on certain music that they probably felt like was good for that. They would show people in the uh, in the crowd uh, with the Pride shirts on. They also, the puck drop was about that. So I think they, they did a good job. The The part that the fans were not happy about was I don't think any starter I don't think anybody out on the ice like for the game had pride tape on their tape and that's on their stick and that's you know some people were tweeting about that I didn't notice any
1: I did see that as well online and they did honor the Philadelphia Gay News Mark Siegel who's the founder dropped the ceremonial puck they did have Uh, some really good stuff from Scott Lawton and JVR who actually spoke about Pride Night and why it was important to them so that was refreshing but from what I understand it was sort of the same old same old of not much in terms of the presentation itself and it is disappointing when you see other teams that have special warm-up jerseys for Pride Night and that everybody has the tape on their sticks and some guys use it during the game as well, and the Flyers just never seem to take that extra step.
0: No, maybe someday. I think we're all hoping maybe the next one.
1: It seems like we say that every year, but (laughs) let's get to the game itself. You know, this is just, I feel like we're on repeat here, Russ, with they played a good game, but... So they had a really excellent first period. I thought they were 9 to 1 in scoring chances, 4 to nothing in high danger chances. They only allowed three shots on goal for the Canes the entire time. And I think they continued it through the second period. It was just a swath of the third period that really was their undoing.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um you could see Radcliffe came out really good out of the gate and Really was the Flyers' best player, and so that's good and bad. But it's good for him, and so he's he's fitting in well. He's starting to feel it, and that's good. Uh, I felt like Morgan Frost really had a good game. It doesn't, you know, always show up on the score sheet, but he was doing a lot of things good in the neutral zone, away from the puck, uh, skating well. He he had some he had chance early, and then made some other decent plays later on. It just yeah that that third you kind of figured. Carolina, even though they, you know, had played back-to-back and was an early part of the back-to-back, that they were going to, you know, come out stronger, and they did, and then they played more physical when they had the lead, and the Flyers did a good job of coming back, and, you know, once again, Jerry Mayhew gets one of these bizarre goals, and he just seems to be a master of that at the moment, so that's, we're all sort of like smiling about that, because that was fun, but, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, and this was a showcase game for Martin Jones, like there were a million scouts there. And so, you know, I'm not sure he showed great, but he wasn't horrible. So he'll definitely be able to get traded. In the end, they still can't finish it out. And if I remember correctly, when Mike Yeo was was with the Wild, he definitely improved the team defensively, but I do think the offense suffered. And it does seem like that's starting to show up here
1: although I will say there's a couple of things that surprised me a little bit in a good way I thought that they had a really great response to the opening of the second period when you know Carolina scores right away they come right back Mayhew gets that goal and then I think for once in a blue moon a fight seemed to do something positive on the next couple of shifts
0: yeah, they they have to definitely be more consistent. They definitely have to learn how to close it out. The the thing that gets disappointing is is that Yo is like making this seem like this is all incremental. But while it's incremental, they're going on one of the worst losing streaks they've ever had and probably will, could turn into the worst one they've ever had. And so you just he's doing a good job of staying positive. But it is staying positive while a ship is slowly sinking. Like so I don't know, you know, how to to take that anymore.
1: The one thing we have been talking about though that's the most important aspect of the rest of the season is that guys are taking a step forward in terms of development and in yes. terms of confidence. And we're seeing that we're absolutely seeing that you talked about Isaac Radcliffe. It was 100% there. I think Scott Lawton had a really solid game. Oscar Lindblom did did what Oscar Lindblom does best. He was doing really well on board battles. He was putting himself in good positions in front of the net. He was carrying Mm -hmm. the puck around to try and create chances. So I do think that we are seeing some of those positive things that we have been asking for this team. They just can't seem to win. And that's the frustrating part, which, you know, all of that good sometimes gets washed away by the end result.
0: It's true. There is some good going on out there. Uh, Winning is the name of the game, though. And I guess it won't keep Mike Yo. Mike Yo won't get to keep his job if he doesn't win. But he has taught these players something Uh, at least the young ones can carry it forward with them. I'll be honest. I think some of the veterans, when they're out of here, they're not going to care what Mike Yeo taught them.
1: No, and I think that's a a good point about this game in particular. We talked in our preview about this game that one of the key things was going to be for the top line to really contribute, and they didn't. They just really didn't. It was the bottom part of the lineup that seemed to – excel a little bit more in this game and if we could have just got some of those shots to go through I mean you know you had Isaac Radcliffe and Patrick Brown each with five shots on goal and you know Drew and Atkinson had two each yeah so that that's a difference right there
0: it is and remember they lost D'Angelo early so they were down a defenseman for a good portion of the game you know, part of the first period and the rest of the game. So the Flyers probably were able to take advantage of that to some degree, but not enough of an advantage.
1: No, and especially, I think the overtime was not great. (laughs) I think the execution there needs a lot of
0: work. Although the one save that Freddie Anderson made was tremendous, like it was.
1: Yes, yes.
0: But you're right. I mean, there were some opportunities there early where you thought it might end early. And then it eventually, you know, does end. It went almost the whole overtime. So, like, what do we say? This was like a uh, 63, 63 and a half minute game this time. Like, I don't know. We'll come up with new ways, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I I did not have confidence for, I would say, 95% of the overtime that we saw. I think they had maybe two good rush chances, but they could not get possession of the puck and maintain any semblance of... Pressure, I think, during OT. Well,
0: it was interesting that that you say that because there was at one point where I felt like there was like two minutes to go in overtime, and I feel like the Flyers at that point completely took their foot off the gas. Like they just were like, "Yes, all right, we're just gonna kind of like let you bring the puck back and hope this time clicks off the clock." I, I noticed a few players kind of let up a little on that, and I didn't like it.
1: I didn't either. And again, that just leaves a sour taste in what was otherwise a mostly really good effort by most of the Flyers. So you just have to get to all at some point in order for them to win a game.
0: It's gonna happen.
1: Well, I hope it's tomorrow night against the Blues and we'll be talking about those Blues coming up next. But You know, football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, so many other sports coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at BetOnline, where the game starts. The Flyers, of course, are facing the St. Louis Blues in the second half of this back to back. And we are so thrilled to welcome from St. Louis game time, Laura Astorian to tell us all about what's happening in St. Louis right now. Welcome, Laura. Hey, how are you guys? So right now, the Blues are in what I'd say are the second tier of teams in the league. What do you think is keeping them from being in that top
2: group? Um, right now, I think it's the defense. Honestly, their um, their offense has, for the most part, just had a few off games, but their offense has, for the most part, been solid and consistent all year. And their special teams have been good, but the defense this year has been like a dumpster fire, and or at least like compared to how it usually has been in the past. Um, they're just they're not as, with the exception of Colton Pareko, they're not particularly big and. Many of them aren't really super assertive on the puck, and there you are know, a few passengers there. So I think that that's really been the problem for the Blues so far. And I would say goaltending, but um, I don't want to, you know, contribute to the to the goalie controversy issue just yet because I think no, I think
0: don't worry, don't worry. It's a Craig Berube led team. It was going to happen.
2: It yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I so thinking, I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you, Laura, um, mm-hmm. about Ivan Barbashev. Like, when I sat next to you at the Stanley Cup, he finally was getting utilized a little more than he yeah. had been. But then I think he just fell into the Craig Barube abyss for a little while. And now this year, they seem to have found him as a team, and he's getting more power play time. Like, is this just a matter of – is it Barbashev giving more confidence to Barube or is he just better?
2: I think it's a little bit of – both, I think it's a feedback loop for sure. I mean, because for the longest time it w- was just automatic, like Barba shows on the fourth line, and right. I really feel like last year and this year both they felt the teams felt more comfortable giving him um, increased uh, responsibility. But I mean, he's he's responded by picking up his play, so there's more increased responsibility, so there's better play. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of it though is just him clicking and finally like finding his, finding his confidence for sure. And just being utilized in a role that, I mean, he's never going to be necessarily like a consistent top six forward, but the blues have enough depth to where he's, you know, on the third line. I mean, that's a perfect spot for him. He's doing a great job. So I just think it was just kind of a matter of him finding his game and the team finding, you know, finding the, noticing his consistency and, and really wanting to kind of support him through that.
1: So what is the latest on Vladimir Tarasenko's injury and how are they adjusting to his absence in the lineup?
2: Um, From what I've read, uh, just based on, you know, what came out before the Toronto game on, uh, on Saturday, it's just a day-to-day thing for right now. Um, I, hopefully it stays that way because, you know, saying something's Day-to-day is usually the precursor for the blues of bumping it up to week to week to week sometimes. Um sounds familiar. Yeah. Like, oh, there's nothing to see here. Oh crap. You know, it's like it hopefully it just stays day to day. I haven't heard anything about if he's gonna be ready for uh tomorrow night's game or not. Um, I think the, the team just kind of tweaked some lines around, moved Kairu onto the second line, and honestly terrasinko that that second line maybe wouldn't produce not not necessarily not produce but maybe not be as as potent and uh, they were fine <laughs> last night so I think it's just kind of a matter of just kind of being able to move those pieces around and, and, and accommodate but hopefully he's hopefully he's back sooner rather than later
0: so Laura let's talk about the uh, the Sammy Blade trade oh, so yeah. I would say for um, for about you know, a month, you know, he was like a ranger legend in the sense that he was this guy just grinding out and getting a few points. And I personally hated that trade because I know what Bucinevich can do, was doing, and what might do in the future. And he's doing it for the blues. So what's what's the uh, what's it been like with Bucinevich on the team?
2: It's been great. Um, that was definitely one of the trades that even blues fans were like, wait, what just happened? Like we were here much. <laughs> <laughs> confused that deal not that we were complaining but you know but we were confused that that deal was made honestly because as much as we liked um play and much as we liked his play here it was kind of like we recognize him for what he is and apparently mm-hmm. the Rangers didn't Um so it's been great I mean he's really played very well with Tarasenko on that second line Um, and Thomas too uh, yeah. he's been probably one of the most consistent uh, players since the start of the season, aside from, you know, his suspension and um, like being out a little bit here and there for uh, injury. I think he was out for COVID for a little bit, but he's been great. Um, still not hundred percent sure how Doug Armstrong like pulled that deal off, but you know, not really. Gonna... I, I just
0: think it was the Rangers over willingness to get tough in the off season and yeah. Armstrong smart. And he just probably played it up and the Rangers kind of like didn't want to pay Bucinevich beyond his contract. And I think it was yeah. the perfect storm. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Ranger fans kind of got the worst end of it, even though, you know, like I said, Blade before he got hurt, you know, he's playing okay. But like you yeah. said, like, you know what he is, it's not, he's not going to be more than that.
2: No, I mean, he's, he's got a little bit of a tough edge to him and, you know, he's gotten in trouble in the past a little bit for some high hits. But, I mean, like, he's he's a perfectly good player. He's just not buchnevich And, you know, I mean, but, I mean, I totally get that the Rangers kind of wanted to get a little tougher in the offseason. And a lot of their moves, I mean, apparently have worked out pretty well. But um, mm-hmm. that one just – and from what I understand, too, it, it, it upset members of the team, which is not really a good – sign really when you deal off a player and it make actually makes the team upset about it but you know not gonna not gonna complain from from my perspective the Mm -hmm. the the trick is though is seeing if um you know him playing with Tarasenko is going to last past this year or not but nobody knows what the deal is with that trade request from Tarasenko so it's up in the air
1: yeah I can't believe that is still going on it seems like it's been forever
2: Oh, the trade request? Oh, yeah. I mean, since, since right after they got booted from the playoffs and Tarasenko went and um, played in the World Championships and everyone was like, oh, I guess he's okay. And then the the trade request happened, and which, I mean, I have a lot of empathy for. I mean, that's his shoulder and that's his livelihood. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, you know, the, the team's doctors or the team did what they needed to do, I mean, he's well within his rights to request a trade to an organization that he felt feels like he feels would, but on the other hand, he seems pretty happy this year. So I don't know if it's kind of water under the bridge or, or what? So I guess, I guess we'll find out in the off season. Cause I would be blown away. If Doug Armstrong does anything with him at the trade deadline,
1: you mentioned Jordan Cairo earlier, obviously he's been phenomenal. This season was in the all-star game. What do you think accounted for his huge step forward this year?
2: Um, I think a good part of it is just maturity. And, um, you know, last year his role expanded significantly, especially with um, the injuries. And then this year's injury cavalcade, you know, kind of helped him expand his role. But I think a lot of it is just him just getting older and more mature and understanding what's expected of him on the ice. And um, I think kind of working out to where the coaching staff knows how to, how to utilize him a little faster because a little bit more, because, you know, as we all saw, saw at the All-Star game kid's pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and that kind of speed is something that the blues necessarily aren't, um, aren't known for, you know, but I don't
0: think he had that speed two years ago. I think he's been reaching that.
2: Yeah. I think that's been a lot of, a lot of conditioning, a lot of off season work and just him just getting older and just knowing how to use the skills more. Cause I mean, in the past you saw like flashes of, oh man, this kid's going to be so good. He's, you know, you you could tell that, you know, the speed was there and the talent was there. It was kind of like a matter of um, I guess like a matter of seasoning a little bit, but I mean, whatever whatever he's been doing to, to train to get to get to this point, keep doing it because he's <laughs> he's killing it out there.
0: So, Clint Costin, mm-hmm. he's a guy that we all knew would take some time to develop, and now it seems like because teams really want to have a couple of bigger, tougher guys, it's good that they held on to him and let him mature. This is a good year for him. He's got good hands. Is it just a situation now where... Uh, it's all just, he's putting it all together and they actually have a role for him.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think that that was something that was in, um, in a lot of question, probably this off season was, you know, what are we going to do with them? Like, you know, they, he won the Gregaran cup and, you know, seeing success in the KHL and we were like, is he going to stay over there? And I think that him deciding, you know, to, to stay with, with the blues um, definitely speaks to the confidence that the blues have in him going forward because i'm not i'm not sure if he would have um you know would have agreed to to stay in the nhl with all the khl success unless um unless the team communicated to him listen these are our plans for you in the future so i mean i think that doug armstrong's got a lot of patience for the most part unless like some astronomical ryan o'reilly kind of deal pops up and then he'll he'll trade some of the younger guys but um I think it was just a matter of knowing what they had, but also understanding that like, this is gonna take a little bit of time. I mean, there were a lot of issues with this play. I think they had to be kind of ironed out. And I think that the experience of playing in the cage shall really help with that. So now the whole thing though, is like he's on the fourth line, which I mean, is just kind of with the talent the Blues have, that's
0: just kind of where he's gonna be, but. But I he's think he's cool. okay with that. Like he mm-hmm. is kind of a tough guy. He, he trains as a boxer so i think you know him being on the fourth line actually kind of works
2: oh totally and i mean and the blues fourth line has never been like or, or it's been years since it's been like their traditional like grindy kind of you know because that that kind of that kind of line almost doesn't really work in today's nhl
0: anymore so you i should think tell the flyers that they don't know that yet
2: <laughs> they'll catch on next year um with with how he's being utilized on the fourth line he's still finding i mean he had a great game saturday night i mean he's still finding a lot of success and he's down there with well right now he's down there with tyler bozak um and i mean i think that there's some some strong mentorship down there to help him out too so i mean if, if something changes in the future and the need, the blues need him to move up off the fourth line i think he's going to be perfectly fine doing that for sure
1: so, looking at goaltending right now, do you think that they're going to have an even split, and or is Ville Huso the guy right now? Who do you think we're going to see against the Flyers?
2: I think that until he stops playing so well, that I think that the Blues have finally just kind of settled on Huso and riding the hot hand. Um, and I think I I wouldn't be surprised to see Bennington in net tomorrow night just because you know you do have to get him you, you got to get him in there and you kind of do need to give him an opportunity to um you know
0: get a win I guess but he did have I, one of his early wins in Philly mm-hmm. when things you know to kind of spark him I remember that that was a big yeah. deal because that was just when started off the the big run so maybe yes
2: maybe there's just something about being in Philly and maybe maybe they'll start him tomorrow night and he'll get his He'll get his mojo back um, well, they're gonna the have same. to go to a
0: bar and they're gonna have to play gloria and they're gonna have i mean there's a lot to do there so many steps
2: you know? <laughs> i mean at this point though for him like i don't know what else to do they might as well give that a shot because i mean he had a great start to the season and then it just kind of pulled jake allen and fell off and just i don't know if like what the deal is with it if it's like um just a positioning thing or he just needs to work with the trainers or maybe he just needs to, you know, chat with the sports psychologist or, or what it is. But I mean, it really, I mean, next year, that six year, 6 million per year contract starts and a lot of folks are looking at his numbers this year. I mean, he's uh,
0: kind of, he he probably just needs to get into a game and slash a guy and curse in the pro in the post game. And then he'll (laughs) have his mojo back.
2: Just, he'll just, just
0: whiff his stick within like
2: 20 feet of somebody else. And then, yeah. be fine. <laughs> but I mean, he played so much better when he was like the calm, cool, collected, unrattleable, un-rattle-able but, um, almost like blank slate guy that you could tell was kind of like wigging the other teams out. And, and now, you know, he's letting his, his temper kind of get the best of him a couple of times and it's just, like maybe maybe dial that back and go back to being you know the unreadable blank slate (laughs) like just calm down a little bit I just I don't know I don't know what the deal is blues fans like to jump all over goalie controversy um I'd be I'm always fine with a 1a 1b tandem I mean that's what's always worked for the blues in the past and that's kind of the direction they've gone so many years out of like probably like the last decade it's just it just kind of happens it something weird goes on with their goalies and there's not a clear cut number one and a clear cut number two. And I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. So
1: the blues are on some of those rumor lists about a potential destination for Claude Giroux. Do you think that's remotely possible? And what do you think the blues would be looking to do?
2: I, I actually wrote a piece about this for game time. Um, a few days ago when like that rumor kind of started getting kicked around about Giroux going to saying that he would accept a trade to St. Louis or that St. Louis would be like probably someplace he'd wave his no movement clause for. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say no to having him on the blues, but I also don't really know where he fits or, you know, if Doug Armstrong would want to give up um, anybody or any picks or anything like that for, you know, somebody who's going to be more than likely a rental player um, when the offense has been playing overall so well. I mean, like it would probably take a major injury that kicks somebody to the long term injured reserve to get the salary off the books um, before I think Armstrong probably would make a move for Giroux. Um, I kind of feel like, he is a little bit more concerned with the defense right now um, than the offense. So, mm-hmm. as nice as as flattered as we are that Giroux would consider, like, oh, we're a destination. Um, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't see him. He
0: might like a, to toast the toaster ravioli. Like, it might just be that
2: everybody else does. I mean, I'm not going to judge. Um, but like the thought of him going to Colorado is like, geez. <laughs> like, Colorado doesn't need anything else on their team. Um, but. <laughs> like please stop making them good um so i mean like i'd love to have them but i just don't see i just don't see how it would how it would work out
1: yeah i'm not sure i do either but you know when it's out there you got to talk about it right exactly all right laura this has been phenomenal lots of amazing information about the blues uh, where can people find you out there
2: um i can be followed on uh, twitter at, at hildy Mac. um and um, I'm the site manager for St. Louis Game Time. So we're over at stlouisgametime.com. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Once again, thanks to Laura Astorian for joining us. That was a lot of fun and a lot of really good detail about the Blues. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. So I'm excited for tonight's matchup.
0: Same here. Yeah, she's terrific.
1: Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, of course, it's Pride Night related. And I mentioned about JVR and Scott Lawton being extra involved this year. And they did a really cool thing with You Can Play donating tickets to eventually be given to a queer player or queer hockey community member. And they gave it to Jules Reese, who is uh, 16 years old. And it is an out hockey player. Um, and I just think that's so cool they did it. They they created that program. And I'm glad somebody was able to go to the game because of it.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. I, I may have missed that or I'm not sure they showed that part in rink. Maybe that was something they showed at home. But could have been on a bathroom break. But that is really nice.
1: That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow with a recap of that blues game. And then we will do our weekly Phantoms check-in. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at our miriam That's R M-I-R-I-A-M.
0: I'm Russum I'm at sportsology. S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y.
1: You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the experts of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.